This episode of Point of View Uncensored is sponsored by Juicy Details, here located on the southeast side of Atlanta. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Point of View Uncensored. My name is Dr. Jake. I'm your special guest host today, along with... Welcome back, everybody. It's DJ the Great, your favorite brother. And today we have... Swan, what's going on, Bill? As well as... Dr. Renaissance, how y'all doing? Excellent. So we have a bunch of topics to get into today. The first one that I want to bring up is the debate a couple days ago uh, between Stacey Abrams and the incumbent governor, Brian Kemp. A lot of people uh, think that, you know, Stacey really outperformed in this debate, but she's also facing a lot of challenges given that Governor Kemp is sort of the, the, the incumbent governor, the governor right now. So she has sort of an uphill battle. So I'm curious what, what you all think, you know, regarding Stacey's chances of, of securing the, the governorship this, this time. Um, you haven't really seen much actual traction in the city. Uh, you think back to the previous election that she um, ran in, you saw more people out and about. You saw more signs, you saw more uh, rally calls and things like that. I really haven't witnessed much of it. So the election is hers to lose. Um, and I don't think she's done the best of jobs as far as securing different groups that are gonna go out and have people push what she's, you know, running for. What is she running for though? Like I don't like what is she you know talk about like what is she for? Yes, so I think there's a the, you know a lot of things stood out from the debate, but for me, you know, their their uh, stance on guns. So, you know, Stacey Abrams is for, you know, regulation, for uh, making sure that, you know, um, certain guns don't fall in the wrong hands. And Brian Kemp is much more Second Amendment. That's a, that's a big difference. It's really controversial. Um, not to mention, you know, the uh, there's a lot of talk about this sort of budget surplus that Georgia has, that Governor Kemp hasn't been willing to sort of invest back in the state. They just kind of hold it and, and keep the surplus for whatever reason. So, you know, Abrams is really adamant about spending that money, investing back in Georgia. And Brian Kemp, on the other hand, is, you know, giving these payouts. He's reducing the gas or eliminating, rather, the gas tax. Uh, you know, we don't have a gas tax right right now. Exactly. You know, when you know that the state could have that revenue coming in, that's controversial. He's giving teachers raises as sort of a political yeah. move. Uh, so a lot of um, you know, kind of divisive talk between both parties, uh, between the two. Well, I will say that. Um, so I actually um, had the pleasure of meeting her a few weeks ago, and um, you know, she gave a lot of her stance on pretty much. This one, this election will be about, you know, uh, uplifting black men and kind of um, doing black men justice. Because she she told she told us that she had two two she has two brothers, uh, one that was incarcerated and then one as a social worker. And she wants to give a platform where she serves in both 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 types of men, both types of men, as far as you know, the ones incarcerated and then the one that's actually a public servant. And so I think she's going off a lot of that platform. I know she talked about a little bit about the abortion rights. I know it's kind of something that Brian Kipp was against. Um, now, as far as the teachers, um, teachers, I am a, as you know, I am an educator. Um, I did ask her about um, 
how she felt about, you know, I guess the education or what was her stance on education. Because um, what I do know is the Georgia Federation of Teachers, which is an organization I am a part of, um, their board does not really endorse her as a candidate. And I kind of asked that question, like, why would they be endorsed her as a candidate? And she, her, her response was that her and the president, her and the president, current president of the organization don't get along, and that the National Federation of Teachers um, is endorsing endorsing her as a candidate. So it's kind of, you know. You know, I kind of find it problematic. You know, you have the national organization that's endorsing the candidate, but then the Georgia chapter or the Georgia affiliation of the same, you know, organization is not supporting her. And I know um, when I when my research is that uh, part of it was, I think, in 2012, she was kind of, she felt like she was for the chartering systems of the schools and, you know, chartering. Some, some folks believe that that doesn't really help, you know, um, colored, colored communities. Um, so... I'm still trying to figure out, you know, and hopefully we can get we can get uh, the president of the organization on the show, um, which I asked her to. And she said she would do it, so we'll hopefully get more feedback on that. But that's kind of been a lot of stuff that's been going. It's almost like a lot of smoke and mirrors, you know, where it's like some stuff is going on. I don't know if it's you know personal, you know, but it's there is some some definitely some backlash against her running against. Um, so, what do you think are the the key talking points or or key areas that would make it hard for her to win like what who does she need to come out and vote in large number to secure her victory and that's a good question i feel like think about what you said earlier um a large portion of that vote is black men and i feel like that's there's a a, a true disconnect between Stacey Abrams and black men. So I, I agree because I, I honestly I don't even really I haven't even focused on her campaign and you know I'm a, a melanated man. Um I haven't even focused on it. I feel like if if she were trying to win our vote, she would have to go harder to make me know who she is. You know, I mean I I, mean, I know she campaigned uh before and people were just, you know, I guess I don't know if were, were people voting for her like that? But well what I do know is uh, the last couple you talking about the last election. So the yeah. last election, um, you know, her she claimed that the current governor cheated the election. You know, he mm-hmm. pretty much was throwing away, I think she said fifty three thousand votes, you know, through exact match the exact match um law where like if the signatures don't match that they can toss out the ballot and a lot of those were um are voters of color. Now, I personally knew a lady that mm-hmm. said that um she voted and they sent her a letter that said that her vote was not counted. So I mean that stuff was going on, things like that was going were going on. So um, I think that's why now she did a. Um, I guess they kind of she kind of highlighted that issue that you know that stuff was going on. So I think that's why the twenty twenty election was audited um, because of the twenty twenty eighteen election. So I think now um, it's just really hoping that you know we come back that for voter suppression because that's really what's going what's, that's going on is voter suppression. And you know, casting ballots as you sure you know you know about the law that passed, but House Bill one two oh one and two oh two about you know, you can't give water to voters if they're in line and things like that, and you go to jail. So um I think a lot of that is gonna play into this election. So um I think that's kind of the drawback. That's part of the drawback is, you know, possibly cheating on or voter suppression. I didn't say cheating, but voter suppression will occur. Yeah, I think that. And I also think just facing incumbent um, politician that's already in office is already an uphill battle. 
you know, because he is widely known in Georgia, you know, he, for some people, he's done a pretty good job. And so she faces that. Uh, and she has to kind of like DJ was asking, you know, who does she need to bring on board so that she can, she secures the election. I hate to say it, but I think it's the rural Georgians, you know, people that aren't in Atlanta, that aren't in the cities. You know, she has to kind of build that message and reach out to them. And it's going to be a challenge, you know, especially because you look at somebody like Brian Kemp and he fits that, I hate to say it, that stereotype of, a, you know, a rural Southern good old boy. And um, that's kind of, you know, plays into to his campaign, gives some points. Um, but I, I think that I, my hope is Stacey can do it because I think it is so necessary to have uh, an African-American woman in that position, given what's happened with women's rights over the last, you know, year, less than a year or so. Well, what about, you know, but we do, we do know that Donald Trump, you know, is not endorsed the Brian Kemp. Is that my understanding? So what are those Republicans going to say? You know, are they going to vote for Brian Kemp? You know, now that Trump is Stacey Abrams. I was about to just say, ask the same thing. To not endorse uh, one party doesn't bring like the other. Um, three things come to mind. First, um, most of the people who did all of their hard work in the previous election, I think a lot of the, the gas and steam have been let out of them after putting in that amount of work and are not being elected. The other part is people are, from what I, from what our conversations I've had, people are tired of voting black with the expectation of a miracle happening when they're put in office just to find out that there are so many different avenues that also need attention and the priority of your vote isn't the priority of your community needs i think that's what's going to hurt her the most and in the past couple of months you've seen brian kemp actively going into these um areas and dealing with a lot of minority groups you really haven't seen that with stacy abrams um much at all outside of entertainers which is the the normal reaction that you expect to see out of politicians and religious figures you're going to see them rally with rappers and entertainers and these folks and that's what they expect is going to secure their vote so i feel like she is in a very hard uphill battle because he seemed like the tactics that he used every time now i will say that he he has um given teachers um, money with funds uh last year i received a two thousand dollar um bonus I think it's supposed to give us another $2,000 bonus. And then he, he gave us um, stipends for the classroom. I know over the summer I received $125 to, um, to I guess, to buy on classroom supplies. And he just sent us another $125, which had to be spent by October 31st. So, um, you know, we could easily say that he's probably doing it just, you know, to secure the election for the teachers. Because, I mean, Currently, the, the the current president of of the Federation Georgia Federation of Teachers is not endorsing um, her as a candidate. So I think that's probably the route why he's going within that route and doing those things to try to secure the teachers. And I think his wife was a teacher too. Why? Why not? I think his wife was a teacher as well. Um, 
So that can probably be the route that he's taking, you know, because I mean, if you treat the teachers right, you know, everybody loves the teachers, right? Yeah, well, I would just say briefly, you know, he's given teachers, you know, money, but at the same time, he's appointed uh, chancellor to the Board of Regents, uh, the University System of, Systems of Georgia, that um, not the chancellor himself, but the, the body that's governing this, the universities of Georgia, have they've eviscerated tenure for professors in higher education. So tenure is no longer what it used to be. And that's a huge controversy, a huge national controversy uh, that, you know, we're following uh, suit um, states like Louisiana that have done similar things. Um, and, you know, so, yes, he, you know, has given teachers money, but in the long run, you know, the educational policy that he's enacted really isn't in the best interest of, of Georgia. Hopefully it will play out. Do you think there will be a split vote? Will there be... In my opinion, I feel like there will be a split that people who won't vote for Stacey Adams, uh, Stacey Abrams, excuse me, will still vote for Warnock. You feel like that type of split will happen? Well, I mean, he's going against Herschel Walker. So, <laughs> so um, I actually saw him yesterday. Um, Herschel Walker? No. <laughs> no, um... Warner. A Warnock, yes, yeah, a Warnock. He pretty much just gave his, you know, gave his, you know, just like the states, he gave, gave, her, gave their spiel about why you should um, vote for them. But I, I say Warnock did say it was because he was the reason, um, he did say he, without him being senator, um, we would not have a, our first uh, African-American women, woman Supreme Court justice. So he pretty much thanked us as community for voting for him, which in turn voted for her to get in office. So um, he's already in office, like he's an incumbent right now. So the things he's done now has been, you know, pushing a lot of those uh, agendas. I know he's been uh, bringing, attempting to bring money to Georgia. I know he says like a billion dollars um, coming to Georgia for infrastructure and things like that. So um, I think he's, he's, he kind of put his money where his mouth is. Um, and then you see Herschel Walker, who, who, who's a football player, ex-football player. Yeah. yeah. You know, who was really just endorsed by Donald Trump, right? So he's really just a, a spokesperson. Which is so which is ironic. Um that matchup is so bizarre that you pretty much have one candidate that comes off as uh an extreme option that doesn't make sense, which leaves you with no other choice but to contain the um, the tricky part when we hear Georgia funding and bringing money to Georgia, most of that money gets funneled through these corporations that are buying up most of the real estate and bringing their business. In. That's how you're having the prices of rent go up so high in Georgia. So they're not careful to put certain money's not directly coming in the hands of people. First bidders are like the first people to touch that money are the people who are bringing in better business to make Georgia and Atlanta better. So they're not putting stipulations in there where they have to have a certain level of kickback into communities or even a certain level of you have to have this type of demographic 
in these type of buildings or in these type of living uh, dwellings or extra employment, then they're going to just continue to take the money and do it as they please. And that's what we've witnessed in Georgia or Atlanta so far. DJ, you bring up a good point. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all seen those memes or whatever. Stay out of Atlanta. Don't move here. You know, people yeah. are just tired of having, you know, people from all over the United States move here. It's, it's raised rent, um, you know, along with we have inflation. So it's like sort of compounding everything that's going on. And I think, you know, a lot of residents, you know, Atlanta and the metro area are sort of sort of sick of it. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, maybe shift gears out of politics for a second. Um, DJ, I know you wanted to say something about um, I think Kanye had something going on. Yeah, the biggest story that's been coming out for the last couple of, well, almost two weeks now is Kanye West, and if he is um, having another mental episode and mental health, is he a bigot? Is there some level of um, attention that he's trying to bring? Is there any validity? Validity, and is he trying to sell something behind all of his charade? Um, I mean, I, I don't think he's crazy. I don't think Kanye West is crazy at all. So you gotta think about it, bro. Like in, in society, and I'm pretty sure like this has been getting a lot of more notoriety. If you're too vocal, they're gonna put something on you to kind of hush you up. But Kanye West is crazy. You know, Andrew Tate is misogynistic. Kevin Samuels, misogynistic or or forget or something, right? Anytime you 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 go against the grain, in my opinion, they will do something to hush you up. But if you pay attention to the interview, this is just my opinion. He had too many good points for him to be crazy. Crazy people do not think like that. You know what I'm saying? His, his, it made sense what he said. And if, it, if if he was just talking crazy, why would you even give it any attention? Furthermore, why would you take, literally drink champs taking the interview down prove furthermore what Kanye West was talking about, right? So that's my take on it. I think Kanye, I, you know, admire Kanye West, you know, for his artistry, his talent, I disagree with some of his political stances on topics. I think he is provocative. You know, I, I, I was watching the Tucker Carlson interview and he told a story about uh, the White Lives Matter shirt and what his dad, Kanye's dad, said about the shirt. And his dad, I guess, texted Kanye and thought it was sort of like, um, uh, like a like kind of funny or like um, what you would call it. Like, uh, um, I can't think of the word, but it was like kind of like a, a funny thing. You know, there, there was, you know, Kanye was wearing or had people wear this White Lives Matter shirt and, you know, he is who it is. You know, he's Kanye West or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. What do you guys think of it? My biggest takeaway from it, um, he says a lot of serious things that do need to be touched and brought out into public discussion. All of the the chaos surrounding him discredits a lot of it. So your focus goes away from key points. There, there are louder moments in what he's saying that kind of wash away, I think, the point that he's trying to get us to. And my takeaway from it was there is a lot 
of um, black content that isn't owned by black people. That's fact, though. If you're 95% of entertainment, music, um, sports, why is it that you don't own the rights to these these properties? So that got overshadowed by what they are saying is anti-Semitic rhetoric. So I think that it's bold to say these things because the pattern is this is something that keeps getting echoed by different people every so many months, it seems. Um, the other takeaway that I got from it is you can use that as an example of how to form allegiance to secure things um, as far as protecting minorities or black people from outside hatred. Because the level of crackdown that it took for him, you know, to, to feel the consequences of what he was saying, that took less than a day. A week later, he's almost like, you know, the plague. People are avoiding him at all costs. You don't see too many people reaching out in his defense or agreeing or anything. It's kind of just a stay away type, type of uh, ordeal at this point. So you could definitely model how to stop outside influence or outside hatred from just the tension and the discipline that's coming from him and his statements. Do you think that that he a lot of times he, with the stuff he's saying is pretty much just publicity that he's just trying to get attention, or is he really for liberation of our people? I don't think he's trying to. No, I don't think he's trying to get attention. I mean, he's Kanye West, bro. People already know who he is. He, he don't have no reason to do that. Like, I think to put your to put your reputation out there on the line like that, or to even risk your life. So just think about it. There are other people who spoke out, like Michael Jackson spoke out about Sony. He ended up dead. You know, Kanye West is letting you know, like, it's a possibility that I could die. I don't think nobody would do that just for attention. He ain't got to do that. He could just make a song or collab with somebody. There you go. There's going to be attention. And then he just, didn't he just do, like, a song with Drake on La Drake last album? So, I mean, he's getting attention. I think he really telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, they're going, like you said, uh, you said the chaos around him discredits what he's saying which is what he's talking about with the media they do that on purpose and it persuades the minds of people who haven't even you know looked into the situation like you can literally ask people about stuff and they'll have an opinion and don't know why right you know what i'm saying it's almost like a hive mind so from this scenario it it makes me think that every one or two weeks on social media there is a new field piece that people are just attached to and this this could and that's what makes it hard but if this were genuine you would think that this is just another distraction that there's something greater going on outside of it. but social media persuades people to have these opinions almost instantly and it only takes a few outlets shaver tmz or someone like that before everybody's in outrage so but to be fair, though, you know, in, the, in our day and age with social media and instant information, Kanye had to have known that either the sound bites from the interview or the T-shirt, the White Lives Matter, like that was going to blow up. Like he had to have known that, you know. So I don't. I'm not 
sympathetic if he acts surprised, like, oh, you know, I, it was a, it was a satire, it was a joke or whatever. Yeah, what was the point? What was the point of them of him and Candace Owens wearing wearing the um, White Lives Matter shirt? I didn't get the concept. Yeah, I just saw it. I'm like, okay, like I think, I think, I think it was more so, bro. Like, you gotta think, like, you know, I think the word you look for was sarcastic. Maybe you were yeah. sarcastic, but you gotta think. There's a group of people, right? And you want to get their attention. You want to bullhorn. So if you think about the White Lives Matter, the bullhorn they drew the attention. Is why he even had the interview in the first place. But to me, when I think about white lives matter, I think he was trying to put emphasis on the fact that this is the life that actually matters versus the melanated, melanated people. You know, um, I, I really do. But are y'all familiar with the uh, uh, etymology? Yeah. So in, in etymology, if you look this up, right? It's, it's perversion, white and black. It's a class, it's not even a race. In America, we are the only group of people who separate Americans or who we are with class and color, right? So if you think about the word black, it actually means of class. And if you think about, uh, I mean, it means a uh, pale skin race. But if you think about what uh, white is, it's of class. That's what the word white means when you think about etymology. So I kind of feel like when they have us screaming Black Lives Matter, what are we really saying, right? Kanye West didn't say this, but I think I'm pretty sure he knows about that. I think him doing that was symbolic and also playing with like energies in a way. I mean, I just think a little deeper with stuff, but for him to be a billionaire and up on that level, I'm sure he knows it. So I kind of think it was a way deeper gesture than what we think it was. So why would he, why would he, and why with Candace Owens though? Like what was the whole purpose of him choosing her? Because he could have did it with everybody. This, it makes me think, what is wrong with being associated with Candace Owens? I know she's controversial, but um, as most sides of the coin, each side tends to have a valid point, and um, the differences in opinion create a serious divide. And a lot of they have similar personalities. Most of the things that she's saying, like um, the problems in the black community. Uh, the what we feel may be a scam of Black Lives Matter and other topics are overshadowed by some of the conservative ideas, you know. So um, definitely, it's it's for it's for controversy. All what do they say? All um. All, all publicity is good for publicity, even up to day. You know, yeah, that's true. Um, and the the interesting part for me is, what do you expect? They're both in interracial relationships, mm-hmm. so that's that's the really funny part. It's like, okay, white lives matter. They are both married in relationships with white partners, so why wouldn't it matter to them on that level? And then to see the outrage from the group that felt so strong about Black Lives Matter kind of pulls up the, the irony and, and what we're asking for. You know? So I don't think it's a matter of like all lives matter, but really just exposing how fragile people's minds are and how easily manipulated they are. 
that's why I say with the play in the interviews. What I don't like is like I don't like the negative connotation around Candace Owens. Of course, I don't know this woman, but based off the content that she produces, it's really funny that we would, in our uh, culture, especially like the black culture, or even people who identify with the black culture, we will glorify city girls or we'll glorify Cardi B or all these women who literally add no value to women in our generation. But a woman like Candace Owens who's articulate, she's a wife. She has an opinion. She's not showing her body to get attention. She's literally adding value to our culture. And she's shamed, bro. So I kind of feel like that's part of the reason Kanye West chose her. I think he's trying to show like a uh, like a different side of the coin in a way, like you kind of said. But then it kind of baffles me because at the same time, look who your wife is. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's why I don't really give too much to, to celebrities because they all puppets in my opinion. We like we like literally we literally just hear teetering and tottering and we don't even know what to believe because it's a world stage. You feel me? Yeah. Most of the time you put on TV, yeah. I'm convinced that the whole thing is a never-ending sequence, like Act One through up until the show ends. Yeah, so sure. this whole thing could be another scripted reality show moment, but. Um, It's enough to just to, to further keep us um, divided as a, a, a culture or a community. But um, speaking of, of Candace Owens, has anybody got a chance to watch uh, the documentary that he put out? I saw I saw clips on, on her Instagram, <laughs> so I didn't see the whole thing, but I, I did see some uh, some clips. It was definitely. Um, Let's say I'm totally shocked because I mean there were rumors about you know bonding the money you know but I was not um, sure all the details until you know until I saw clips of her um, clips of her of her of her documentary on Black Lives Matter. So with the documentary out, just a few questions. With everything that she presented, how does that make you think about? Um, Black Lives Matter as a whole. How did you feel the Black Lives Matter movement started? And now that the band-aid is coming off, has your opinion or view of this organization tainted, changed, shifted in any type of way? So I haven't seen the documentary, but um, I do think that a lot of these movements, I guess we can call them, like Black Lives Matter, maybe even the Me Too movement, um, with um, you know, women, feminists. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to say what changes they actually, substantial changes that they have on society. I think, you know, myself and my, my generation and, you know, my friends and stuff are sort of I guess, jaded by the political system. And so, you know, like DJ, you're saying, like when we see these movements, yeah, we can be all for them. You know, I'm all, I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I'm all for the Me Too movement. But it's like, it's almost like a fad. You know, they're here for, uh, you know, maybe some months, maybe even a year, a couple of years. And then, you know, we kind of don't hear about it anymore. And I think that, that, lack of systemic change in society causes us, me, to sort of be jaded by the whole system and be skeptical. Yeah. 
And I think we should. I think everybody should be skeptical. But like, like you said, to piggyback what you said earlier, like uh, a scripted reality. Everything, in my opinion, of course, we will never be able to prove because, you know, you have people talk about the elites and the higher ups. We really don't know who they are. But I think, like, uh, as, as humans, we have an innate, uh, like, ability to decipher BS when you see it, right? And I wholeheartedly feel that we are living a lot of our life in a scripted reality. And I think BLM and Candace Owens' documentary was exposing that. Because you got a group of people. I don't know if y'all, the, the data, all the riots and all that stuff's happening in 2020. Like, you know, so I work in law enforcement, man. And, you know, I was out here. I saw a lot of stuff that was going on. And um, to me, I just kind of didn't understand, bro, why people felt that that would actually make stuff better. Rioting, tearing down your own neighborhood. Do you know the, the, the murder rates and crime rate has went up since then? It has not changed nothing. Anytime BLM gets together, bro, nothing gets better. It's nothing ever solved because you know what it is? It's complaining. It's complaining with no end goal. Well, and for me, that's our whole, that's our whole like society. People get on the internet, complain. You know, we have podcasts and stuff like that. But in actuality, do we really have a, a end goal? You know what I'm saying? And I think stuff like that is no end goal. Like, what's the, what do they think is going to happen with BLM being a, a movement? Like, what is their end goal? Right. I I, th- I would love, love to know. What do y'all think? What is? I think it, you saw the angle. The angle was to um, cash out. Um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? To um, grandize themselves off of black pain. And we've seen this um, time and time again since the civil rights movements. There are always certain groups of people who see. Um, Black pain or black chaos, and there's dollar sign written on it. So their end goal. Someone asked me, "Well, do you think they just, you know, got in over their heads, or maybe um, it was their first time receiving money like this and they mismanaged it?" And I, I consider that for a moment, but I don't think that that's much of the case. Um, they're all educated, uh, and I, I think they chose what they wanted to do with money and would have continued to go on this route had it not been exposed. It's like someone is cheating. I'm not sorry until I'm like caught. Like, oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. But if you never would have caught me, I would have continued to play this character in front of you. So I think that's that was the end goal. Yeah, I mean, we have to look at the, the other side of the, the spectrum, too. I mean, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, along with other, you know, left-leaning slogans like defund the police, That's for example, that, that has caused reaction on the conservative side to be more conservative, more reactionary, you know, going, you know, touting, you know, gun rights, you know, taking away the right to abortion, and all these things. So it's it's almost like, the extreme on one side causes the extreme on the other side. Right. Um, lady justice scales balancing themselves out, you know. That, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, personally, I mean, I, I was at those protests. I was actually talking a lot, a lot of, to a lot of the officers that were out there. And they were kind of saying the same thing. Like, it was like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> so, I mean, what you got to realize, and I think what... And, well, I've learned that a lot of our Caucasians are rioters. And I think that, you know, rioters, they feel like rioters get, kind of do what they want. 
You know, if I tear down buildings, if I do this and that, it's like they do at a game. It's like they do in any other situation. Um, it kind of gets them what they want. So it's like, okay, if they can do it, why not us do it? And I think when I was taught, when, when I learned, it was actually the, the white folks that started the riots, and then the black folks kind of followed behind you. They definitely did. Like, here's an interesting fact, though, man. Um, I, I, I hate the idea of defunding the police. But if you really think about it, like we said, we I think we all can agree that to some to some percent, there's a scripted reality that we're participating in. So when you think about uh, police interactions with citizens, it's like over a million that happen a year in America. Do you know out of those million of interactions, it's less than 3,000 that end up in actual people getting shot or something like that? That's a very small percentage. Right. They take that very little fraction of percentage and they put it on the media and they give you this idea that we don't need the police. So I just asked this question. If we didn't have the police, then what? Well, we can go back to the Wild West. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. We can go back to the Wild West. Yeah. Um, and some of us are more prepared than others. So we yeah. are a very heinous thing to witness and live in. Um, the, the unfortunate part is with rioting and the BLM riots that did take place, because it wasn't grassroots, there really wasn't um, a list of demands or even com true community leaders who were like organizing it. It was just out of emotion and almost like to have a a moment that you can reflect on in your memory book. Like, yeah, you know, I remember when I marched with the Panthers or for this generation, even though it didn't fit like a, a certain outcome and afterwards the negative impact of you know there are people who are going to see facts and just still you know ignore and you know it's just a slogan but it still stands for this towards black people not understanding that um now it's going to be looked at in a negative light Yet we have to go forward with almost like the, the, the boy who cried wolf scenario. The next time you scream out or have something that's genuine, this is going to be the stain that people are going to refer to. What was the context of the documentary of what Candace Owens was talking about for our understanding? What was she talking about? She pretty much pulled their um, IRS filings and did like a breakdown of where all of this money went to. And the, the, sum, the biggest takeaway is no city or community can show physically anything that this money went to for them. Right. So, for instance, if they were an Atlanta 